You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Podcast and Post Game Show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Activate your free Assembly Call membership today at assemblycall.com slash join. That's assemblycall.com slash join. That is how you're a champion. It really is. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, brought to you by HoosierProud.com. Well, for the second straight week, Indiana lost two games. They were woefully non-competitive in one, a devastating home loss to Michigan, after which Tom Crean lambasted his junior guards. And then, facing an improved Minnesota team at the godforsaken and unnecessarily dangerous Williams Arena, the beleaguered Hoosiers played 39 minutes and 55 seconds worth of spirited, energetic, winning basketball before allowing an uncontested offensive rebound that led to the game-winning points. So, where does this latest two-game skid leave us? Debating whether Indiana, once ranked number three in the country, will even have a good enough record to qualify for an NIT berth at season's end. What a ridiculous roller coaster of a season this has been. I'm your host, Jared Morris, here to discuss all of this and more with you and with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips, my co-hosts on the Assembly Call IU postgame show, which you can listen to live immediately after every IU basketball game at assemblycall.com. And if you can't listen live, no worries. Just search for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts, and you will find us. Well, I will begin this week's show as we begin every postgame show, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And really, there is only one place to go with it this week, and that is with Deron Davis. Because over the last two games, he was really the one Hoosier that showed up consistently. And just look at the numbers. He played 21 minutes over those two games. He scored 23 points, went 8 of 11 from the field, 7 of 10 from the line, grabbed five offensive rebounds in his 21 minutes, and only had two turnovers, and he did block a shot. He was unquestionably Indiana's best player over these two games, and the Hoosiers likely would have beaten Minnesota if he had just played a couple more minutes, but of course he was in foul trouble almost from the opening tip, and that limited him to just nine minutes in that game. But what is becoming increasingly clear to me is that Deron Davis is the future of Indiana basketball. And no matter how many more losses the Hoosiers accrue this season, his development is something IU fans can pay attention to with great interest and enthusiasm because he is a rock-solid foundation on which the next good Indiana team can be built. All righty. Let me now introduce my esteemed co-host to my left. We have the host of Bracketology.fm and the world's number one ranked bracketologist, according to Bracketmatrix.com. He is also the president of the Robert Johnson Fan Club, a once robust organization that suddenly finds its membership numbers dwindling greatly. He is Andy Bottoms. Andy, welcome. What is your bottoms line from the past week in Indiana basketball? Yeah, the Rojo fan club definitely hemorrhaging members at this point, but uh, I, I stand, I Stay stand strong. with him, and I stand with him in his time of need. Um, it, you know, it, it just, it's just been a weird season, as you said at the beginning, how far things have fallen, and you kind, even you kind of look back at this, you know, stretch where IU has lost six of seven games. You had two games where they were woefully uncompetitive against Michigan and Northwestern. 
three overtime craziness against Penn State is the lone win in that stretch. Then they rebounded to play fairly well against Wisconsin and Purdue, losing two five-point games. Super lackluster effort on Sunday against Michigan in a, in a must-win situation. I, I mean, I think we've labeled virtually all of these must-win games at some point over the course of the stretch as well. Uh, and then, you know, another, uh, another one-point loss uh, to Minnesota on Wednesday. And it's just been... Uh, just demoralizing, crazy, and, and really the ways they've lost these games have been, it's either been one extreme or the other, either just completely non-competitive or crumbling down the stretch in games where they had chances to win. Uh, neither of those obviously is a, is, is a good feeling to have, and it's just been a, a, a crazy season. And yet to look at where this thing has gone now, um, it has allowed me, though, to kind of clear my calendar for what I thought would be a lot of requests around will IU be in or out of the NCAA tournament over the next couple of weeks. So that seems to have uh, really freed up some time for me that I can spend with my family and, and really make the best of the situation as a whole. Very nice. And to my right, we have a man who most certainly would not have been able to continue playing had he tumbled off the raised Williams Arena floor onto cold concrete like Josh Newkirk did columnist for TheBigLead.com, and someone who officially requested that we avoid all IU basketball talk today and instead discuss burritos, an idea that, frankly, Andy and I both legitimately considered. He is Ryan Phillips. Ryan, welcome. What is your rant from the past week in IU basketball? Uh, well, first, that, burritos, that was easily Ryan's best idea that he's ever had in all the quite, years we've done this show. I mean, I'm fully admitting that. I, it's, everybody likes burritos. Nobody gets upset talking about burritos. Just, I mean, you can Let's talk about things time. that bring people joy. Is what we said. Burritos That's, don't you know, miss blockouts that give up game-winning baskets. No, they don't. You know, um, geez, I don't even know where to go with this. I, I genuinely, I've been thinking about it for about a half hour, and I have no idea where to go. I'm uh, people listening. Um, I'm with you. I, I don't know where to go. It, it is, as Andy said, this has been demoralizing. It's been depressing. Um, you know, losing what is it now? Six of the last seven games. Um, since that Michigan state win, uh, I just, I don't know. I, it's sad because I, I see guys trying and, and I see guys really working hard, um, on the floor, but it, it's just not focused effort. It's not focused energy. And you see Tom Crean on the sideline, just exhorting his team to do something positive and, and God bless him. He's trying and, and, and it's just not getting through. And I think that that's the big problem here is the, the lack of an ability to get through to your team. Uh, it winds up hurting in the long run. And, and I think that um, despite his effort and his energy, uh, his team is just not following through on that. And, and it's, and it's a big problem and it's sad to see because, you know, these are all good people. These are all good kids. The coaching staff are great people. Um, but as far as winning basketball games, they're just not getting it done. The other aspects of the program I'm fine with. Uh, but you look at where this team is right now and you look where they've been three out of the last four seasons, uh, you know, if you're including this one, um, it's it's just unacceptable, uh, an unacceptable level of production at Indiana. And, um, you know, I, I get people's frustration in wanting a change, and, and I understand why. Um, we talked about this on the postgame show after the, the Minnesota game. It just feels like everybody's ready for something new, and it might be best for, for everybody involved to just kind of find a new voice and find a new direction. Yep. Well, that is a topic that we are going to discuss on this episode of Assembly Call Radio. Uh, we have a, a jam-packed show for you today. We're going to begin by clearing up one of the biggest misconceptions about this season's team and also helping you identify 
who are the legitimate uh, IU media members who have really been paying attention and who are just kind of the drive-by guys uh, finding the convenient narratives that maybe you don't want to listen to. Uh, we will get into what Ryan talked about and actually discuss the article that he wrote for TheBigLead.com, uh, whether it is uh, now uh, the time for Indiana to move on from Tom Crane and whether it's best for both parties to do so. Uh, if we have time, we may get into dissecting Robert Johnson's struggles, but I'll tell you something we're not going to do. We're not doing bold predictions anymore because after last week, where Ryan and I both predicted Indiana to win, and I think Andy picked uh, James Blackman Jr. and Robert Johnson to hit a combined 13 three-pointers. Um, yeah, we're, that that was just our bold predictions bottoming out. So we will have something else for you in our final segment. All of that on this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio. But first, I want to take a quick second and tell you about our presenting sponsor, HoosierProud.com. Because if you consider yourself a Hoosier, and not just an IU Hoosier, but someone who is proud to have roots in the great state of Indiana, then you need to check out HoosierProud.com. Because they offer a line of t-shirts and accessories that are unmatched for anyone who wants a unique and stylish way to display their pride in being a Hoosier. So whether that's a t-shirt with a really cool Indiana logo on it, an Abraham Lincoln t-shirt, whether you want to get an Assembly Call t-shirt with our logo on it, they even have zip-up hoodies, they have something for everyone, and they're constantly adding new uh, designs. They have a a Pink Floyd design for a t-shirt that is really, really unique, uh, and you should just check it out. Go to HoosierProud.com, browse all of their different options, and then when you find one that that you like, and you will, use the promo code AC, and you will receive a 15% discount on your entire order. That is promo code AC to receive 15% off at HoosierProud.com. You are listening to The Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips talking IU basketball. And guys, let's clear up the biggest misconception about this IU team and the reason for this IU team's struggles. And let me sum up this misconception in one uh, quick series of tweets that I saw earlier this morning. So Bob Kravitz, obviously everybody knows Bob Kravitz. He got this tweet uh, from someone on Twitter. It said, hey, Bob Kravitz, remember when you said IU would go the farthest in the tournament out of all the Indiana teams? Kravitz's reply was correct, and then Ananobi got hurt, which changed everything. And I read this earlier today, and I couldn't help but jump in because of just how erroneous and incomplete of a statement that is uh, by Bob. Because as those of us who have been watching this Indiana team play all season long know... OG Ananobi's injury did not change everything. It was devastating. It stunk. It certainly lowered the ceiling for this team. It, it changed roles. It definitely did a lot to hurt Indiana. But the reality of this season is that Indiana's struggles began well before OG Ananobi got hurt. And OG himself was struggling, living up to the expectations and fulfilling his new role. But it is not his injury that changed the trajectory of this season. That trajectory was already going in a negative way. And we saw on the broadcast for the IU-Minnesota game, the Big Ten Network put up that graphic of Indiana statistics with OG and without OG. And they looked starkly different, but that graphic left out the context that a lot of those numbers were generated during the non-conference schedule when Indiana played eight cupcakes, where they really padded their stats. And so this, to me, is the single greatest way for you to identify who is a media member that has been invested with IU basketball 
football all season and who just checks in with the Hoosiers maybe once a month because it is the easiest and most convenient narrative to simply say, oh, yeah, the whole season went tumbling down for Indiana when OG got hurt. But if you've been paying attention, you know that's not the case because the turnovers and the poor defense and the inconsistent mindset and the poor execution and on down the line, all of the biggest issues that have plagued this team were there even when OG was playing. So maybe his presence adds two or three wins to the ledger. I, I will grant you that. But even so, Indiana is still peris- perilously close to the brink or maybe off of the brink, even in that case. So I know, Ryan, you didn't know where you wanted to go with your rant tonight. I knew exactly where I wanted to go because I keep seeing this from media members and from fans, and I couldn't let it go any longer without cleaning it up. So your, your thoughts, gentlemen, on, uh, on that statement. No, I mean, it, it's true. I, I think that you know, these people just kind of who aren't paying attention all year and then speak authoritatively about it. I I mean, you've had that for years with Indiana, though. I mean, I remember when I was a student at Indiana reporting on the team, uh, you'd have guys from Indy come down who hadn't been down in Bloomington all year, ask us questions and then use that as the basis, ask us questions about the team and then use that as the basis for their stories. So this is not new. Um, So I just think that... We, the people who have watched the team know the deal and the people who have consistently followed this program over the last couple of years uh, know the deal. And, and that's really all that matters. This this media narrative, um, Andy Katz tweeted something like that out as well. Uh, I, I just think that it's it is, you know, a load of garbage and and they're they're trying to explain away something for a lot of people who got really excited earlier in the season for this team. Yeah. Andy. I mean, I think you, you said it well. I mean, you look back at the, the ledger of games, um, you know, the Butler game. He played 26 minutes. They did not play well and, and lost. They gave up 83 points to a team that, you know, not necessarily known for lighting up the scoreboard. Then they played two terrible teams after that. Lost to Nebraska. He played 26 minutes in that one. Lost to Louisville. He played 30. Lost to Wisconsin. He played 32. Um, they did beat Illinois and at, at home, but I think that would have maybe happened, uh, you know, regardless of that played 24 minutes against Maryland and um, you know, until that thunderous dunk at the end was, you know, kind of invisible in in some ways in that game. And you know, the games after that, the Rutgers game, it's Rutgers and, uh, and then the Penn state game in which he got hurt. So yeah, I mean, there's five losses right there in a, in a, in an eight game span um, with two of those wins coming against Austin P and Delaware state. So um, yeah, to, to portray in any way that, that, this team wasn't having struggles before he got injured. Uh, that may have exaggerated some of those things, but it certainly uh, did not cause them to exist. Yeah, no, it didn't change anything. It may have exacerbated it somewhat, but it definitely didn't change anything. So we just wanted to clear that up. But coming up next on the assembly call, Ryan, you wrote an article recently uh, on the big lead.com. What was the, uh, what was the headline of that? Do you remember the the name of the, the headline off the top of your head or do we need to go? The headline that? was, Indiana needs to fire Tom Crean and pursue Billy Donovan. All right. Well, that sounds like an excellent jumping off point for our next segment here on Assembly Call Radio. And so that is what we will discuss. The future of Indiana basketball, the future of its coach, Tom Crean. That is coming up here on Assembly Call Radio. Stick with us. You are listening to the Assembly Call presented by HoosierProud.com. I am Jared Morris here talking IU hoops with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. And in this segment, we are going to dive into the topic 
that the majority of you want us to discuss because we asked you on Twitter and you responded. And frankly, we really didn't need to ask you to know what the hottest topic is for IU basketball fans. And that is the future of the coach, because the future of the coach is going to dictate the future of the program, such as the nature of college sports. And Ryan, after the Michigan game, in the depressing afterglow of that game, uh, you wrote an article for TheBigLead.com titled, Indiana Must Fire Tom Crean, Pursue Billy Donovan. This was an interesting article on a number of fronts. You know, Number one, I thought you really presented a balanced case. I think it's easy for the good things that Tom Crean has done and the successes that he has had to get glossed over uh, in everybody's you know, anger and frustration. And I think it's important to be balanced in how that's presented. And so I thought your argument was interesting. And it was also kind of a departure for us. As Indiana basketball analysts, you know, leading a public conversation about IU basketball, this is not really a topic that we have gone into during the season, uh, a discussion that we have really wanted to entertain. But I think we are all kind of at the point where it is unavoidable and it would be foolish and simply denying reality to not discuss it. And so I say all of that as a preface for you kind of presenting the argument that you put forth in your article, and then let's discuss it and dissect it and see where it goes. Well, as I said in my opening tonight, uh, I think that it's it's sad because I think Crean puts in the effort and puts in the work, and that's not his issue, and, and there's been no bigger you know champion of Indiana since he's been there. Uh, but at the same time, at some point, you're not uh, – you're not being successful and it's just not consistent success. There's been too much inconsistency within the program. I think he's done a lot of things that people can be proud of and he can certainly be proud of and had some great seasons. Uh, but at the same time, uh, it's not consistent success that you expect from Indiana, uh, on a year in year out basis. And so my, Basically, my premise was this season has sort of been the culmination of a lot of issues. Uh, the injuries and everything did not help that. But at the same time, it, it's probably time for both parties to move on from each other because it's been nine seasons and you're seeing some of the same issues you saw five seasons ago, six seasons ago, seven seasons ago. You know, I mean, it, it, there's just very little uh, overall progress in the health of the program and and aside from a few good years. So I think it's time to, to, you know, change, you know, the voice at the lead of the program. And, and my argument that I made was that a guy like Billy Donovan is a guy, I'm not saying they can get Billy Donovan. Um, I've just heard a lot that he is, uh, potentially looking around and looking at possibly going back to college. And I said, Indiana should throw everything they've got at him because I think he's a winner that people would get behind immediately. And it would be the home run hire. Does it happen? Does, is he the guy that they bring in? I, I don't know. I mean, that's, you know, you never know what those kind of things, but I know all Indiana fans want Brad Stevens. I don't think Brad Stevens is coming back to college anytime soon. Um, I have that on pretty good authority. I'd love to be wrong about that, but, um, I, I don't think I am. So I don't know. I, I just think that that's, that's a guy. If you're going to look at who a home run hire is out there that might potentially be looking to move, uh, that's the guy I look, look at. And then it never hurts to go after him. It never hurts to throw everything he got at him. Uh, and, and then, you know, if he, if he says no, you move on to the next name. But I, I would say that that's the guy that I would look at that. I think every Indiana fan can get excited about. Andy, you know, I think if people, if there had been betting odds on which of the three of us would have gone public with a statement like that, 
you know, I probably would have been last. Ryan would have been somewhere near me. And then I think most people probably would have thought that it would have been you that would have come out with that first. And so um, I'm interested to hear what your thoughts on it are, um, given, you know, what we've seen now, especially over these last seven games. Yeah, I mean, for for quite a while, I think Ryan would have been labeled a, a Korean apologist. This is like 15 seed over a two seed level uh, level upset we've got brewing here. So hey, we saw that last year, so it's always <laughs> possible. Um, no, I mean, I, I I think I think Ryan made a lot of good points, as you mentioned, um, and, and I think it's really the whoa whoa whoa, the, whoa 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 hey. Jared, can we lift that audio of him saying Ryan made a lot of good points? And Didn't just... you do this last week? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I mm. Look, I got to take my shots when I get them, all right? Yeah. <laughs> Go yeah. on, Andy, I'm sorry. Yeah, jeez. I mean, we're already just giving extra attention to something you wrote. I mean, we can just parachute out of yeah, this anytime if you're going <laughs> to keep this up. Um, no, I think, you know, when we... It's really the stability and in the in the kind of the inability to really sustain growth and momentum over the course of time. And, you know, you look at Big Ten finishes over these last few years. So, you know, in the third year that Crean was there, so just going back to 2011. So that's year three. Um, you know, certainly everybody wants to just throw out the first couple of years. That's fine. So let's start from there. They're 11th. And this is position in the finishing position of the Big Ten. 11th, 5th, 1st, tied for 8th, 7th, 1st, and then... Uh, God only knows where they're going to end up <laughs> when this thing's all said and done. But, um, you know, careening toward at least double digits in the uh, uh, in the standings. And I think that's that's the problem. And, and one of the things we got excited about in the Kansas game this year was like, hey, this is, you know, maybe this is finally it where they're able to build on where things finished last year, even though they didn't get as far in the tournament as everybody would have liked and things like that. Um, but we've seen that, that that growth just wasn't sustainable. And we can talk about all the reasons for that and. Um, you know, injuries have played a role, leadership, all those kinds of things. There's a lot of things that have done it, but the reality is this far into the, you know, the, the, his tenure, um, you would like to be on more solid footing and the downs should be far outweighed by the ups and they should be the blips on the radar. And I think in some ways, uh, you know, it, it starts to feel like, I think you've kind of used this as the, you know, the couple months last year was like the oasis in the, in the desert. Um, over the last, you know, four years. And I think it needs to be the other way around, right? It, it you know, I don't think anybody is going to say there can never be a down year, but the down years don't need to outweigh the good ones. And they don't need to be what the, the you know, the rule as opposed to the exception. And I think that's kind of what we've, uh, what we've seen. And uh, I, I think if you look back at some of these other big 10 games and really look at, you know, recruiting rankings are, uh, are, a, are a dangerous place to play. But um, just from a sheer talent perspective, this roster is not untalented. We can talk about personalities and how it all fits together. Um, but it isn't a case where they're just out talented by in the teams that they're playing and losing to and the inability to execute down the stretch, particularly in a season like this. And they're two and seven in, uh, in, in games decided by less than five points. And one of those wins was, you know, the Penn state game, uh, at Penn state when, you know, that is, that is by no means a, a, a picture of solid late game execution. So, uh, I think there's just a lot of things where you, you see and you haven't seen that growth and you haven't seen that uh, sustained. And uh, I think it's a fair point that it might be time for a, a new voice to try to you know get over that next hump. I will say this, uh, you know, after what you just said, Andy, uh, I would say there's only been two games this year where Indiana has been clearly the less talented team as far as just pure talent goes. And that's North Carolina and Kansas. And they won both of those games. Other than that, they've been on equal footing, I think, with everybody. That brings me to a great point. So you are listening to The Assembly Call, presented by HoosierProud.com. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. We are talking about 
The status of Tom Crean as, as Indiana's basketball coach. And, Ryan, it, it, you know, such a great point. Kansas and North Carolina, both probably more talent than Indiana. And what does Indiana do? They go out and win. And I think what we've seen from Tom Crean at Indiana is that Tom Crean Indiana teams have excelled and played their best as underdogs. And, you know, the, the you rank them, we spank them hashtag and all the upsets Indiana has pulled at home over highly ranked opponents. And, you know, this team, this program has played well, backed into a corner. But I think this is where there's just a mismatch. You know, it doesn't make Tom Green a bad basketball coach. Tom Green is a good basketball coach. And there are many, many, many programs in the country that would be happy to have him and where the kind of success he would bring would be a real step up. But I think... The, the fatal flaw with Tom Crean at Indiana is that, to me, this is my impression, is that he coaches from an underdog mindset because he, his, whole, his entire coaching career is kind of an underdog story. And so I think when he can put his team in that mindset, I think he, get, he can get on the same level with his team and he can motivate them to bring out the best in them. But when the team has expectations, Indiana often has failed to live up to those expectations. And I think he struggles to kind of lead from the front and to be an alpha dog. And I think as the coach at Indiana, if you're going to fulfill the expectations that the fan base has and that the tradition suggests, you have to be able to coach from the front and be that alpha dog. And I think, you know, you see little things like the constant excuses this year about injuries, you know, kind of constantly you know, making those excuses and kind of setting it up so that if you lose, there's an expectation. Indiana fans just aren't necessarily used to that. And it's not kind of the way that we want the coach to present himself and present the program. And I just think that creates the disconnect between Crean and the fan base, which ultimately is just, you know, no matter if, if they, you know, reel off four straight wins at the end of the year, make the NCAA tournament, do something crazy – that's not really going to go away, and we've seen it. We've seen downs, we've seen ups, we've seen downs, but the, the general through line really hasn't changed, and I think after nine years, it's tough to think that it, that it will moving forward. Yeah, there's just no stability, I think, and, and, and the one problem I have and I think that is needed at Indiana is there's no swagger. You know, they just uh, like other than Victor Oladipo, his junior year, this team doesn't have and, and Yogi to some degree last year as well. This team doesn't have swipe. They don't expect it. It doesn't feel like they expect good things to happen and kind of have pretend uh, swagger. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, like kind of you know, like like trying fake, to. It's like being the fake tough guy kind of thing. And there's just not this belief that they're going to win and be successful and they're going to, you know, make a you know, head to the. Uh, the, to a national title or anything like that. It's it just feels forced and it feels fake. And he, and uh, I think they got into a role last year where there was the little swagger, but then this year there's been none of it. You know, and um, for a top tier program, you got to have that. You got to know that when you march into Northwestern, you're Goliath and you're gonna smack, you're gonna flip the script and smack the little guy around. And and um, you know that's that's just not present at all right now. Andy. Yeah, I mean, I, I would agree with that. I think there's, you know, just in terms of the confidence we, we talked about, you know, a month ago, I think one of the big things you know, we talked about was just the, the what seems like a fragility with the team. And um, and I think we've seen that at times over over the course of, the, you know, the last month or so. And then there's been other times where it seems like they've been resilient in stretches. Uh, and I think that, you know, just again, it's kind of the, you know, the roller coaster inside of the roller coaster it, to a certain extent. You 
you know, you look at some of these games and kind of like I said at the beginning, you know, you had some of these games in this, you know, losing streak where, you know, three of the games, I would argue they were just uncompetitive. Didn't seem like they wanted any part of the fight that the other teams were bringing. And that would really be, you know, both the Michigan games and, and to a certain extent, the Northwestern game. And then the other three, they really seemed to respond in spurts at times when it seemed like the game could get away from them against, you know, Wisconsin and Purdue. Uh, and even against Minnesota, who I thought played just horribly um, for the majority of the game. And so that you did see some of that resiliency. But again, it's just they can't bring it from game to game to game. You know, we talked about, you know, on the show last week, it seemed like the defense is getting better against Wisconsin and Purdue. And they come out and they're just awful against Michigan. It's just there's no ability to sustain things. And, and as you know, just a couple things start to go wrong, kind of gets into the here we go again mindset and. Um, you know, that fragility really sets in and, and you just start to see that and, and they just can't, uh, you know, kind of pick themselves up out of it. And, and even though when I'm you know sitting at home in the Minnesota game, kind of waiting on something bad to happen, in some ways you kind of get the impression that the team is doing the same thing. Yeah. You know, and I mentioned that Indiana's played better as an underdog, but it's also it's like there's this kind of sweet spot that they have to be in, because the other thing that we've noticed is that when things have gone poorly, this program a lot of times has just been rudderless. You know, outside of last year where there was great internal leadership to, I mean, literally pick that group up when they were really struggling in December. I mean, the leaders on that team picked them up and drove them forward. And Coach Crean, to his credit, allowed that to happen and let his internal leadership you know, blossom and flourish. But in other seasons, 2014, 2015, this year, when things have started to go bad, when there hasn't been the internal leader who can stop it, you know, that then falls to the responsibility of the coach to be able to do it. And we see it in a micro sense with the team and these just horrible fades at the end of February and March. And we see it in games, you know, where the opposing team will go on an 8-10 point run and it's like Indiana's powerless to stop it. And the turnovers pile up and there's no timeout to, to change momentum. And again, you know, the term rudderless is one I've used over and over again. But it's not one that you would think about for Kansas or North Carolina or Duke or Wisconsin or Michigan State. And fans around the country may think Indiana fans are a little de- delusional to mention their program in, in the same sentence with those bigger programs. And we are, given recent results, but that doesn't change the standard and the expectation of wanting to get there. And so at some point, something is going to have to change to get there. And, and look, a college basketball program, a college football program is going to take on the personality of its coach and is going to be driven by its coach more than anything else. And so if you want to affect a significant change, which I think Indiana basketball needs, I mean, I think there's only one place that you go. Ryan, did you want, do you, you want to keep talking about this after the break? There's more meat. Yeah, on we can. Problem, I, I mean, I'm I'm all for it. I, I think you need to discuss what qualities you're looking for in a head coach if you're going to talk about moving this, moving on from this. So maybe we should talk about that after the break. I think. Okay. I'd also encourage you, based on a Twitter exchange I saw earlier, to uh, ask Ryan his thoughts on uh, Steve Alford. That should oh, be. Oh, please. Uh, we will do that. Okay. We will do that. That is coming up on the assembly call. Stay with us. You are listening to The Assembly Call, presented by HoosierProud.com, where they offer a line of t-shirts and accessories that are unmatched for anyone who wants a unique, stylish way to display their pride in being a Hoosier. Check them out at HoosierProud.com. I'm Jared Morris, talking IU basketball with my co-hosts on The Assembly Call IU postgame show, Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. You can join us after every IU basketball game over at AssemblyCall.com and every Friday right here for Assembly Call Radio. 
Gentlemen, let's continue our discussion from the last segment because uh, it's an interesting one. And we kind of left off getting into what are some qualities that, that a successful long-term head coach at Indiana University needs. And Andy, let me just kick it over to you. I mean, we've spent a lot of time talking about you know, the qualities of Tom Crean that maybe haven't made him a great fit at Indiana. What are the qualities that would make someone a good fit? Yeah, I mean, I think a couple of the things that, you know, stand out to me is just a more calm presence on the, you know, on the sidelines. And and so I think at that point, when you see them get animated, that it, it means more, um, while he certainly is, is passionate and, and some of those things, you know, we saw in the Minnesota game where he's just imploring the guys to get a stop. It's almost like at some point though, it's so much with the constant pacing and yelling and, uh, even encouraging and cheerleading is, as he mentioned after the game, it's almost like that, that when that becomes normal, like what, what, when you deviate from that, like, what do I even take from that as a player? Um, and then I think, you know, quite honestly, just fundamental type things at this point, I mean, for, you know, watching these, you know, silly turnovers, watching simple defensive, uh, mistakes and issues, missing blockouts at, at key times. And in, in really both of these last two are no, I guess the one was the, uh, when was the Purdue game? So two of the last three games, like a, a, a you know, missed blockout led to a really important basket. Um, and those kinds of fundamental things are, are the kinds of things that mean a lot to a lot of IU fans. And it may seem uh, cliched and, and kind of hokey to say that, but I think for a lot of fans, particularly those who have followed the program for a long time, I mean, those are things that were givens for, for quite some time uh, and, and really kind of a minimum expectation. And I think we've seen, the team deviate from that at times. And, and, you know, the other thing, I, I think the recruiting Indiana piece of things has been overblown, uh, at times, but I do think, uh, there is a need to have a relationship there and to, even if it's not the, you know, stars of stars every, every single year from the state, trying to get some solid, uh, you know, some solid players that, that are there. And, um, you know, you see some of the, you know, some of the, the Max Bielfeld type guys who I know is not from Indiana and, and the Knicks I saw, but we talk about how, how important guys like that were, uh, to the team. Like to me, there are, are probably those kinds of kids in Indiana that, uh, you know, could get excited about, you know, doing something there. And then lastly, would really like to see somebody who's on social media, uh, like Jim Harbaugh. And, uh, you know, I think that would really be a, a good change of pace. Maybe he could, uh, tweet about, uh, our good friend, Kurt Sterling, uh, who has, uh, you know, graciously given us this spot and, and has been uh, critical of Korean at times. So I think those are really the core uh, core things I'd like to see. Hey, uh, oh, OK, let's go over to Pete Phillips now and get his thoughts on what <laughs> Indiana needs. In a if you guys coach. if you if you guys have no idea what they're talking about, uh, Jim Harbaugh called out uh, ESPN and SEC Network uh, anchor Pete Feinbaum, not Paul Feinbaum, Pete. I'm assuming twin brother guys. Is that that seem right to you? I don't know. Um <laughs> No, I, for me, what I want is a guy, I don't care about where you recruit. I don't care who you recruit. I want solid kids, obviously well-rounded. I think you got to run a clean program. That is a one. Uh, I think you've got to be, uh, willing to embrace the rabid fan base. You've got to be willing to do a barnstorming tour, get people on your side. Um, you've got to be able to embrace the whole thing. I mean, it, it, this is a tough package. Indiana is not a easy place to, to coach basketball. Um, I, but I think it's gotta be a guy who's willing to embrace that challenge. Uh, whether it's a younger guy, older guy, I'd like some kind of college track record. I think that's not asking too much. And I want consistency. I want consistent excellence. Uh, something that some of the people that 
IU fans uh, have been championing do not have, regardless of their connections to the university. Uh, I think that uh, that should that doesn't matter to me. I don't care if he's an quote Indiana guy. I don't care if it's a guy who who was associated with the school in the past and assistant in the school, anything. Uh, I want the best coach available and, uh, it, it, I don't care where he comes from. You wouldn't have anybody in mind in particular, would you? I that think seemed you know like veiled. Those seem like veiled <laughs> shots at Steve. I feel, like you're, I feel like you're beating around the bush. Oh, no, we, we can't, yeah, we can't let you do it. We need a whole episode. If we're going to get you talking about Steve Alford, I we let can't me just put it. it this way. Steve Alford is not the man to lead Indiana back to the promised land. If you don't know a lot about Steve Alford, other than the fact that he's doing okay with UCLA this year and uh, used to play for Indiana, you need to do some research because that guy has a long list of pretty awful things that have been associated with him. Um, and, and I think that Indiana fans want him to be really good and want a former player to come in and be a savior of the program. And I get that desire. A lot of you grew up watching him or, you know, watched him when you were in college or whatever. Uh, but he's not the guy they need a new fresh take. And, uh, I think he'd be too similar to green quite frankly. Yeah. It's the, the Indiana guy thing to me is like the recruiting Indiana thing. I think that sounds like something that's great to say. And I, I know I just said, um, you know, you'd like to see a little bit more Indiana flavor on the team, but it, it isn't, you know, I think the majority of people, if they were winning with guys from Alaska, nobody would be like, well, this winning, this would be so much better if we had players from other, you know, other States. And if the coach was from, you know, Bolivia, it wouldn't matter. They just want to win. So it's oh, man, they should say. really scour the Bolivian professional basketball I mean, ranks. It's well, and Andy, like to your it. point, you know, Bob Knight wasn't an Indiana guy when he was hired. So, I mean, you know, yeah. uh, so uh, look, and no one expects that you're going to get a Bob Knight as your next hire, but it's just kind of to that point. Look, and, and I, you know, but what I want to add, guys, in terms of qualities is, you know, I think it's really important that, you know, whoever's coaching at Indiana, I, I am all for helping kids achieve their dreams putting guys in the NBA, that is great for the individuals. It's great for the school. But I think this branding that Indiana basketball has now of being about player development and getting guys to the NBA is only good if it is strongly balanced by consistent winning at the college level. And if individual player development is balanced by the development of a cohesive team concept. And we simply have not seen that consistently enough. We saw it in 2012 and 2013. You know, we saw it come together last year. But outside of that, it has really felt like Indiana basketball is a lot of individuals out there playing together who their skills improve and sometimes they're playing hard together. But it doesn't often feel like there's a great cohesiveness and a shared purpose and understanding of what they're doing from a team basketball concept and I think that frustrates and disappoints Indiana fans more than anything and so I think it's really look to compete at the highest level you need to get the best players that's going to mean helping guys achieve their NBA dreams no one's against that no one's against getting guys who may only stay for one two or three years it's modern college basketball but it's got to be balanced with team development and I just feel we haven't seen enough of that over the last few years. You are listening to the Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. Guys, anything else on on the qualities of a coach? Because I, I do want to get into Robert Johnson's struggles because I have kind of a theory I want to float by you guys and, and hear what you think. But anything else on the qualities of a coach before we get into that? Yeah, the only the only quick thing I would add to, to kind of build on what you just said is, you know, it, it talking about that stuff is a little bit like the uh, – 
you know, the John Calipari at the, at the draft saying this is the greatest night in Kentucky basketball. Like that's the kind of thing that everybody got upset there about because it was, again, it was more focused on player development, putting guys in the league than it was about uh, winning games. And I think that has kind of become a great storyline. And while it has become a, a selling point for potential recruits, it doesn't need to be the selling point for potential recruits. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. I think that um, it's, Look, most recruits of the top level, uh, that is their big concern is getting prepared for the next level. That's that's it. And, and uh, you know, they want to win in college. Everybody wants to win in college. Why would you play the game if you don't think you're going to win? Uh, but at the same time, uh, that needs to be part of the deal, not the entire thing you hang your hat on as a program. Um, there's a reason why schools with more national titles and, and more appearances and more success lately can out recruit guys can out recruit Indiana for some of these top level guys. And it's because not only will they develop them, they'll also, uh, you know, be able to win while they're there. And those kids know they're going to win while they're there. So th- I think that's a huge aspect of it. And Andy made a great point. And look at, admit it, but he made, well, he made and look at the Indiana point. players who are succeeding in the NBA right now. Victor Oladipo and Cody Zeller, fantastic individual players, but functioned really well as a team. You know, Yogi Ferrell and Troy Williams, those guys had designs on going to the NBA early. They didn't. They came back and finally learned how to play with a team and how to lead a team. Look at them now. They've had success. And so I think there is it actually helps you get ready to play professionally, to focus more on just your individual play and learn how to be a leader, learn how to play as a team. And I just think we haven't seen quite enough of that from the program, and I'd like to see it. And, you know, look, guys, I want to talk about Robert Johnson because I think the other thing, again, and this gets back to kind of, you know, the rudderlessness of this program sometimes is we're seeing a guy who has been a really solid contributor for two-plus years absolutely crater here late in his junior season. And it's, it's been depressing to watch, um, and it's almost been inexplicable to watch, but I've spent a lot of time thinking about it. And, Andy, let me run this by you because, as you know, I spent a lot of time during Robert Johnson's first couple of years comparing him to Greg Graham because, in my defense, statistically, he profiled very similarly to Greg Graham. But obviously, with his struggles, he has not taken the leap as a junior that Greg Graham took. So I was informed on Twitter that I needed to find a new comparison, and I think I found that. And I'll get to that in just a second. But I think with Robert, if you look at last year, it was the perfect situation for him. He's an elite catch-and-shoot guy. He's not a guy who creates offense very well. Last year, he was on a team where he was getting all kinds of open catch-and-shoot looks. He was knocking them down. He could fill a niche as a defensive stopper, but he didn't have to do the heavy lifting. He didn't have to do the leading because you had Yogi and Troy and Max and all those guys there. Now, as a junior, he's thrust into this new role of having to be more of a creator on offense. And the the catch-and-shoot opportunities aren't there because the offense isn't as good and the spacing isn't as good. And there's not a Yogi Ferrell there to create them. And so in addition to the offensive burden and the leadership burden that he's being asked, he's also he also has to be a defensive stopper on a sometimes indifferent defensive team. And you add all of that up, the new roles and the new pressure, and it just feels like he has buckled under it. And it doesn't, you know, and obviously he's getting called out by his coach, and that may not be the support that a guy like Robert Johnson needs because while James Blackman Jr. responded to it well, Robert didn't. And it reminds me of Will Sheehy, who was so perfectly suited for the 2012 and 2013 rosters, no one could have filled his role better than Will Sheehy did. Coming off the bench, he was an irritant, he could make big plays, but he didn't have to do the heavy lifting. And then thrust into more responsibility, a greater offensive load on a roster that he didn't necessarily fit into as well in 2014, 
his production cratered. And actually, when you look at the offensive ratings of both guys, Will Sheehy's drop from his sophomore and junior year to his senior year and Robert's drop from last year to this year are very similar. And it just kind of underscores the point that, and this is why it's hard to project college basketball teams, not every player is going to progress from one season to the next in a new role as you might think they would. And it's just starting to feel to me like Robert Johnson is not necessarily to his fault, but he's just kind of miscast on this team, and he hasn't been able to do enough, and the the coaching staff hasn't been able to do enough to bring it out of him to get his best basketball, and we're kind of seeing it at its worst right now. Do you buy into that, Andy? Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I think there's some validity to it. I mean, what you articulated for him last year was a very specific role that you could sit here and define relatively simply, and if I asked you to do that for this year – uh, it's it's complicated, right? It, it, you, there have been times he's been kind of asked to facilitate, but Newkirk has played some of that point guard role. Uh, he's not really the go-to scorer in the backcourt. That would really be Blackman. And then defensively, as you said, uh, I feel like even in that area, he's been up and down that you really see him lock in for a few possessions at a time, um, but then really struggle. And, and he seems to be uh, also a guy who, when a shot's not falling, you know, things, uh, you know, things can he can kind of hang his head a little bit. And, and so, you know, in the, you know, the first 24 games of the season, there was only two games. He didn't score in double figures. Uh, and for the last three, he's got 13 points total and hasn't gotten to double figures in any of them and, and really has shot the ball, you know, poorly from three point range really ever since the, the calendar turned to, uh, to February. I mean, almost every game he was hitting at least two, three pointers for, you know, every game in the month of January, he had at least two, three pointers, um, you know, three or four at a time. And he's, one he's four of you know hasn't hit more than one in a game in the in the five games in february and uh and again i think like you said the the, you know the you know how you get the most out of of guys is is different from person to person and uh, i think as we've seen him start to struggle with confidence and really look like he's overthinking what worried me as cream came out with those you know really strong post-game comments about the junior guards was what we had seen so far was that when Johnson had really started to struggle, you can see him thinking about every little play as he's out there on the court. And it just didn't seem like based on that, um, he was going to respond well to that kind of, you know, criticism and being called out and all those things. And I think the, the Sheehy comparison is an interesting one because I think, you know, people have been trying to figure out, like, have we seen somebody, you know, just drop and lose their confidence in a way that he has. And uh, it was kind of hard to, uh, hard to come up with somebody. I think that's as good a, uh, as good an answer as any. Alrighty. Well, we have a few minutes left here on this uh, today's episode of Assembly Call Radio, and so when we come back, we're going to talk about burritos. What do you think, fellas? End the show with some burrito talk. I'm Sounds all in. Good? All right, stay with us on the Assembly Call. You are listening to The Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. Wrapping up another week talking IU basketball. Gentlemen, we decided to scrap bold predictions because our bold predictions were so awful last year. uh, And none of our records are as good as Indiana's Big Ten record. So that tells you how good of a job we've been doing on bold predictions. So we're not going to waste your time, dear listener, anymore with bold predictions. Uh, But instead, let's just kind of ask an interesting question. Crazy that we're asking this question at this point in the season, given where we once were. But Ryan... If Indiana qualifies for the NIT and has extended an NIT bid, should they accept it? 
Uh, I would. Uh, you've got young players on this roster uh, who could use the extra practice time, who could use the extra game experience. Uh, when I was there in 2005, my junior year, uh, they went to the NIT and played Vanderbilt. It was an awful atmosphere. It was not even half full uh, at home. But at the same time, you know, if you end your season, you miss out on practice time, you miss out on game experience, get those guys some more experience, get them as much as you can. Uh, I, I think it's a, I think it's a absolute no brainer. Uh, it's not the CBI, it's the NIT. Plenty of top level programs have, have gone to the NIT before. Uh, it's not acceptable. We're not excusing it, whatever, but you should take the opportunity to get some extra time on the court for these guys. And it should be noted, Indiana has already said that they will accept an invitation, but obviously Indiana fans have their opinions on whether Indiana should or not, so we just wanted to get our opinions out there. I agree with Ryan. Andy, are you of the same mind? Uh, yeah, I, I think they should for the really the reasons that Ryan said. I mean, in some ways, it's while there's not as much time in between, you kind of think of it as a you know college football bowl game scenario where you get these guys some extra practices and you know, when we really start to, you know, spin forward as is kind of all that there is left to do at this point, you know, the young guys, you know, Dron Davis and uh, Devontae Green, who we haven't really touched on much, I think I thought played well against Minnesota and, um, you know, give those guys some additional experience and practice time, get them, uh, you know, well, the more game experience those guys can get, the better. I don't think there's anything, uh, anything wrong with that. I am a little disappointed, though, that we went with this interesting question as opposed to uh, the closing segment I suggested, which was, is the season over yet? And then we just continually ask each other for however long it takes, whether the season is over. Um, but uh, I guess well, we'll, I guess okay, we'll ride so with this a, a little so you bit. Tell it can't, us, be, it can't like, be worse than... It can't Kinda be like, are we bold. there yet? Are we there yet? Yeah, yeah. it there can't you. be worse than bold predictions. So I'm willing to try anything except. Okay, so so point, real but. quick, Andy, we've got a few seconds left. I mean, is Indiana even on your grid anymore from a bracketology perspective? Yeah, I mean, they're probably in that like next four out category. I mean, if they would somehow find a way to miraculously win out uh, in these four games, then I think they they could be uh, they could be all right because they'd get to that nine and nine mark in the Big Ten. But we're not kind of ex- expecting that. And I guess if Indiana... No, because we've actually been watching the team, unlike people that we talked about earlier, not, not understanding what's But, I mean, on. if OG came back, we'd probably win out and win the national championship, right? So, you know... Well, that's that's yeah, the only Yogi reason. back, it'd be great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or bring Alford back and fulfill Ryan's uh, IU basketball dream. Uh, <laughs> I would jump off my balcony. Seriously. All righty. Well, that will do it for us on this week's episode of the Assembly Call. Make sure you join us at assemblycall.com after the IU-Iowa game. Indiana only has one game this week uh, for our post-game show, or you can subscribe to our podcast by searching for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. Our thanks to Hoosier Proud, as always, for sponsoring this episode. Go to HoosierProud.com and use the promo code AC for 15% off. And thank you for listening. We'll be back to talk IU hoops again with you next week. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim, and go Hoosiers. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. From the company that brought you Rocket Mortgage comes Rocket Pro Insight, the innovative product designed to give real estate agents control like never before. Rocket Pro Insight allows agents to send files on their clients' behalf and get to closing faster. Sign up today at rocketpro.com slash real estate and get the freedom to check a client's progress from anywhere at any time. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. Licensed in all 50 states. MLSconsumeraccess.org number 3030.
Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.